you would, and let's stand if you're able to. Matthew chapter number 10 this morning. Matthew chapter number 10. Matthew chapter number 10, as you're turning there, we're, we're living in a day where there are so many shows on television that they call reality shows. The truth is, is that many, if not all of them, are not reality. Today we're going to talk about something that's real. We're talking about new life, new life in Christ. And the reality of that new life is what I want to speak to you about this morning. The message is a little different on a Sunday morning than maybe it's been in the past seven weeks as we've been going through this series about new life. But I want you to see what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter number 10, beginning in verse number 32, and we'll read down to verse number 39. Whosoever therefore shall confess me, before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am Come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Lord, thank you for this morning. I pray that you would bless this passage, Lord, help it to be something that is a reality in our lives. God, this is not pretend Christianity. This is not Sunday morning only Christianity. Lord, if there is a relationship that has already been established between you and us, we know that it is because of what you have done, how you have given your life, how you have saved us. We cannot save ourselves. But Lord, we who are saved, may there be a living out of that salvation, the reality of that new life that we have because of Jesus. Well, thank you for this message, this word this morning that you have given to us. Lord, I pray that you would use it in our hearts and lives Help us to see the reality of it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you for standing. When a person gets saved, and that's a Bible word, they accept Christ as their Savior. That's when new life begins. We all know that the Bible talks about 
the old man and the new man. And this new life is something that God gives to us. And if you have this new life, you and I must make this new life a reality in our lives. It's more than just, and yes, it is the miracle of a moment, but it's more than that because it should become the process of a lifetime. Oftentimes we think about it, we use the word sanctification because we are justified at the moment of salvation. God looks at us and he sees the blood of his own dear son Jesus and he sees us just as if we had never been a sinner. Not because of anything we've done, but because of what Jesus has done for us. But once we are justified, then every day of our lives we should be being sanctified, set apart by God. It's a process. Oftentimes we talk about how Jesus is now the Lord of my life. If you're saved, He is your Lord. He's your Savior. And Lordship is a a process. It's, It's not just something that's on Sunday morning only. It's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's every day of the week. It's every day of the year. Every day after you get saved, you ought to be living the Christian life. Salvation is the miracle of a moment. It's a one-time permanent gift that you receive. You can't lose your salvation. But lordship is a continual requirement for believers to follow every day. Luke 9, 23, he said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, I die daily. Every day, Paul says, look, I get out of bed and I have to push down the flesh. I have to deny some things in my life. If I'm going to live out this new life, it's going to be reality in my life. God wants us to make our new life in Christ our real life. This world would be a different place if Christians would get a hold of the reality of the new life. They would live out the new life. In other words, we should walk every day with Jesus, making him Lord of our lives. Listen, it's time for us as believers to take our hands off the steering wheel and let God drive. You know, we want to control every aspect of our lives. Can I tell you this morning, that's not living by faith. That's not letting God have his way. Someone who is making the new life their real life will have three distinguishing characteristics that I want to share with you this morning of the presence of Jesus in their lives. Not only uh, not only you are saved, but you are also allowing the Lord to lead you. And so as a disciple, which is the word the Bible uses, that once we are saved, we become a follower of Jesus Christ, that a disciple, first of all, will confess boldly that Jesus is their Savior. Look what the Bible says again in verse number 32 of our passage this morning. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men. Him will I confess also before my Father, 
which is in heaven. See, I see it's a powerful confession here that the word confess means to declare openly. God doesn't want us to be a secret disciple where we don't tell anyone. Listen, there, everybody at your work ought to know that you're a Christian. If no one knows, then you haven't been confessing to those around you. You haven't been declaring openly to those around you. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Notice there's a public profession. There is a confessing, declaring openly. 1 John 4, 15, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is, the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. Now, we live in a world where many will not confess that Jesus truly is the Son of God. Uh, there are many religions, and it's sad, did you hear the word? Many religions that deny that Jesus is God. How can you call yourself a religion when you don't believe in the Son of God, Jesus? See, the only way that, that God can dwell in you is that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You say that Jesus is the Son of God. Someone who is truly saved this morning is not ashamed to say, Jesus is my Savior. Can you say that this morning? It's easy to say it in church. It's easy to say it around your Christian friends. Do you say it out in the world? Do you openly declare that? Do you make a powerful confession? You know, we live in a world where values are amazing. Here's, a, here's something that I know many of you will relate to. Coca-Cola is a company that's done their homework. Uh, I've traveled and I've flown through many airports, and it's amazing. I didn't grow up necessarily, I don't hate Coca-Cola, but I grew up drinking Pepsi products more than I did Coke products. And a lot of people make fun of me because I don't, I don't drink coffee this is my coffee, or was my coffee. But as I was studying and, and traveling, I noticed that almost every airport sells Coke products. I mean, they've done their homework. And you think about this, 91% of the world's population has heard about Coca-Cola. 74% have seen Coca-Cola products. 51% have tasted. This is the entire world, but only 10% of the world has ever heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Folks, that ought to be the other way around. The world needs to hear about the Lord. Billions of people need to hear us, you and I, confess that Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus, right here in this passage, here's what he says. He says in verse 32, If you will confess me, I will confess you to my Father. Look at Matthew 12 there in your notes. But I say unto you that every idle word that man, men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified. And by thy words thou shalt be condemned. See, if, if our words give testimony of him, who he is, what he means to us, then guess what? His words will do the same of us before his father. 
And Jesus makes this promise. See, I see a powerful confession of somebody that will boldly declare and confess that Jesus Christ is their Savior. But I also see Jesus mentioned, and I see the problem of denial. Look at verse 33. The Bible says here, but whosoever shall deny me. Verse 32 said, whosoever shall confess me. Verse 33 says, whosoever shall deny me before men. Him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. How many of you would want Jesus to talk to his Father about you and say good things? See, that's that's what Jesus is saying. The word deny means to disavow. In other words, to deny, to reject. Jesus says, look, Either you, you confess me or you don't confess me. Look at Matthew 7, 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name cast out devils and in thy name have done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you depart from me, ye that work iniquity. See, there's a lot of people who believe that they have done what is necessary, but they've never trusted Jesus as their Savior. Luke Luke 13, look at, he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and ye yourselves thrust out. If someone is not willing to confess their faith in Jesus. It, in my mind, when I look at the scriptures, here's what I see is that is a clear indicator that they have not truly been born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. There hasn't been a time where they put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And God is saying here in this passage, if you won't confess me, then I won't confess you. He says, look, if you're going to deny me, I'm going to deny you. Somebody that makes their new life, their real life, they boldly confess that Jesus Christ is their Savior. Look at Paul wrote here in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In other words, believers in Christ, look, here's what you ought to be doing. You ought to be looking for opportunities to tell people, to confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord and he is your Savior. You see, I find here that a believer, a disciple of Jesus is one that confesses Jesus boldly before the world. But I also see another characteristic is, look at this secondly, a true disciple is one that will love Jesus supremely that will love him supremely. Go back to our passage in verse 34. Look what it says. Think not, Jesus says, that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Now, this is interesting. When I read these verses, I realize that the real-life Christians are people that love Christ above all others. 
They love Christ above all others. Sometimes I see it, and it even happened in my own life. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you understand this more than maybe the person sitting next to you. You came to the place where you realized that you were a sinner, that Christ died for your sins, that the only way to go to heaven is put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and so you were gloriously saved. For me, that was 35 years ago. I hope you remember the time and the place. If you're not saved, maybe today you would come and bow your head and bow your heart and receive the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ. But if you are saved, when you trusted in Christ as your Savior, and then you went home and you went to your family and you began to tell your family about what happened in your life, how that everything has changed, how that the old man is dead, how that you have new life in Christ and what Jesus did for you. How many of you have found that when you do that, it becomes, between you and your family, a sword? Many family members are not happy with your newfound relationship with Jesus. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? I remember distinctly. I didn't really know how to put it. Look, I knew I got saved. I didn't know all the lingo. I didn't know exactly how to put it into words. But I remember when I got saved, and I was still living at that time. I was living with, at home with my mom and dad, and no, I was not in my 30s. I was a teenager. But I, I, I remember I got saved, and I, what I didn't know was my home church, that they did a newsletter that they sent to homes of members, and they would send it to the homes about every two weeks, so twice a month. I didn't know that because I wasn't a member till I got saved. So when I got saved, and of course I followed the Lord Believer's Baptism the next week, they sent a letter. They put me on the mailing list because I was now a member. The Bible says, then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day they were added unto them. So I became a member through salvation, baptism, which is the Bible way. And so they sent this letter to my home, to my mother and father's home. I came walking in the door one day, unbeknownst that this piece of mail had came. Walked into the home of the Catholic home that I grew up in. I walked in the door and I started to walk through the kitchen and my mom said, hey, got some mail today. And I thought, well, that's kind of odd because we get mail just about every day. And I'm 19 years old, so guess what? I really didn't care. Mom and dad were paying all the bills, right? And so my mom made this comment about the mail came, and I thought, okay. So I stopped, and I said, anything interesting? And she said, yeah, we, got a, we actually got this letter from that church you've been going to. That's how she put it. I said, really? I said, what does it say? And she says, well, it says that you're now a member there. And it says that you got baptized there. And I said, really? <laughs> I didn't know what to say. I didn't know, what, you know, I didn't know what, you know, I honestly, looking back, I don't remember what I said. I don't remember if I walked away. I don't remember if I said, I had no idea what I said. I just remember from that point on that the conversations were very interesting. There was a sword. There was a division. And that's what Jesus said. He said, if you love me, 
and, and you have a relationship with me, not everybody's going to be happy to hear that. Not everybody's going to be as excited about it as you are. See, a true Christian is somebody that, that actually can bear the rejection that comes during moments like that. Jesus, no doubt, he says it in his word and right here, Jesus is the prince of peace, is he not? But we understand this hostile world that we live in, that peace will not come on this earth until Jesus rules and reigns someday. You know, you, you look at Christmas every year at Christmas, what do you see? Peace on earth. You know, every time they have the Miss America thing, what do they, well, I just want peace, you know, world peace. Well, we all do. But because of sin, there's not going to be peace like we will one day know when Jesus comes and rules and reigns. So what do we do until then? Well, in the meantime, having Jesus in your life, if you're saved this morning, you know what that means? That means that you're going to have a sword. There's going to be some division in your relationships. And Jesus was saying here that, that these human relationships mentions a, a, a father and, and children and a mother and children. And he mentions these human relationships, how there's, they're going to be split. And that split in those relationships is going to be based on how you and I respond to him. The way we respond to the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. And some of you have experienced this, again, how your families did not appreciate your new faith in Jesus Christ. And, and look, Jesus is not saying here in this passage, don't get him wrong, he's not saying, I want you to, now that you are saved, I want you to pull away from your family. I want you to separate yourself from those that, 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 that don't know me. He's not saying that at all. That's not what the Lord is saying here. By the way, when you think about what I just said, here's what happens many times. That's exactly what many of the cults of the world do today. Is they'll, they'll isolate, they'll bring somebody in from somebody's family, and they'll tell them, you need to separate yourself from those that, that are in your family because now you're a part of us. Listen, I'm not a part of any religion. I'm not a part of any denomination. I have new life in Jesus. When I became a part of Jesus, when I, I received this new life in Christ, the last thing I want to do is separate myself from everyone else in my life. As a matter of fact, I now have a responsibility to tell them about Jesus, about this new life that I now have in Christ. We are to love them. We are to witness to them. We are to share Jesus with them. And sometimes when some live for the Lord, some will reject them. Look, listen to what Paul says in Philippians 3 there in your notes. Paul says, what things were gained to me, those I counted for loss, for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Folks, I hope you're getting it this morning. It's all about loving Jesus supremely. See, if you are saved this morning, Paul is saying here in his own life as he's writing to those in Philippi from prison, listen, Paul's saying, look, 
I have all these things. I, I have all this knowledge and all these accolades and all these accomplishments in my past. And I've got all my buddies and part of the Sanhedrin and, 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 and all the accomplishments and, and have gone to the school of Gamaliel. I've got all my diplomas hanging out there, but none of that means anything to me now. Why? Because I have Jesus. He's the only thing that matters. I love him more than anything else in this world. Is he preeminent in your life? Is Jesus first place? Because he ought to be. You see, when I think about what Paul's saying here, it, it tells me this, that if I'm going to live for Christ, if I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, then I'm going to have to pay a price. And that's what you have to ask yourself this morning. Am I willing to pay that price? Remember, he says, take up his cross daily. And by the way, I can't think of a better life to live than the Christian life. It's, it's not a bad thing, folks. It's the most wonderful life there is. To be, to be alive in Christ. And so, real life Christians, they love Christ above all others, but notice they also love Christ above every relationship. Now again, you get back into this passage in verse 37, Jesus is not commanding us not to love our parents or our families. I want you to look at verse 37 again. Let's see if you see the words. The verse says, he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He said it twice. Did you catch the two words? More than. Underline those words if you're in the habit of underlining things in your Bible. More than. He didn't say you can't love them. He says if you love your daddy more than you love me, there's a problem. If you love this person more than you love me, there's a problem. That's what he's saying here. Jesus is not against loving families. He's against loving family more than him. Mark 12, 30. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with how much of your heart? How much of your soul? How much of your mind? How much of your strength? Every last bit of it. We saw that in Sunday school this morning. That's the first commandment. Exodus 20 and verse 3, where the commandments were given as God gave them, thou shalt have no other gods before me. God wants to be first place in your life. Hey, I love the song, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. Folks, listen. God wants and deserves to be first in every relationship. We need to make the new life our real life by putting it into practice every day of our lives as a Christian, as a disciple. If Jesus is your Lord today, it should affect every aspect of your life. Everything you do. Every last bit of it. We need to have a life that is centered around Christ. So a disciple has certain characteristics you say this morning, well, I'm a follower of Jesus. Well, first of all, do you love Jesus supremely? Secondly, do you confess him boldly? But look at thirdly, the, a disciple of Jesus will surrender totally. 
wave the white flag, so to speak. Look back in our passage in verse 38. He that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. I mean, a lot of people say, listen, I'll do whatever God wants. Have you come, don't raise your hand, have you come to the place in your life of total surrender? Did you hear the word total? Lord, you can have all of it. Every room in my house, I'll give you the keys to every lock in my life. I'm not holding anything back, Lord. A lot of people say that they've done that. But I love what Paul writes to those in Romans 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your what? It's just reasonable. It's not illogical. It's reasonable for us to surrender to him totally. Why? Because Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. When you think about this, God wants us. That's why we have an altar call in the services, because it's an opportunity for us to lay down our lives in total surrender. So notice, as a disciple, what are some things when we totally surrender to Jesus? What must we do? Notice, first of all, we must identify. Look at verse 38 again. He that taketh not his what? Cross. See, the first thing we must do is we must identify with the cross. The cross isn't a bad thing, folks. Jesus gave his life on the cross of Calvary. Jesus was willing to identify with our sins. The word taketh means to lay hold of, to identify with. During Roman times, this is what would happen when, when a criminal was convicted of a crime as a part of his punishment. This cross became an identification. He had to carry his own cross. That's what Jesus did. You stop and think about this. Did Jesus ever commit one sin, yes or no? Then why did he carry a cross? He carried that cross for us. He carried our cross. He identified with our sins. That's why he didn't want that cup. Because he knew what the cup represented. It was our sins. Listen, Isaiah said that our sin was placed upon him. With his stripes were healed. So when I look at this identification, it's with the cross. Jesus says, when you are totally surrendered, you will not be ashamed of my cross. When a family or maybe your friends, maybe a co-worker, when somebody starts to make fun of you as a Christian, then think about this, don't be ashamed of Jesus. Say, listen, you can mock him all you want, but that's my Savior you're talking about. I'm not ashamed to identify with Jesus. Paul said in Galatians 6, verse 14, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. People make fun of us every day. There goes those Baptists again. Look, he's going to church again. Why do you give money at church? I mean, listen, folks, I've heard it all. People want to make fun. They want to mock. But listen, because we love the old rugged cross, why? Because Jesus, our Savior and our Lord, died on that cross. 
See, we must identify with the cross. I love what Vance Habner said. We need men of the cross with the message of the cross bearing the marks of the cross. See, as a disciple, if we're going to totally surrender to Jesus, we must identify with the cross. That's what he says right here in verse 38. But notice also what he says secondly is as a disciple, we must intensify in our following of him. Go back to verse 38 again. Look what it says. He that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. So he not only says, look, we got to identify with the cross, but he says we must intensify. Jesus said, I want you to follow after me with a passion. Remember what Peter did as Jesus was on trial for, his, for the, 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 uh, all the crimes that we ever committed? Remember what Peter, Peter was afar off. He was not as close to the Lord. He wasn't following Jesus the way that he had in the past. This morning, think about this, that as we are disciples of the Lord, we are to be intensifying in our following of him. The Bible says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. If you're doing right by God, then can I tell you that one year from today, you're going to be more like Jesus than you are today. You see, the more we spend time with him, the more we get to know him, the more we shall be like him. John 12, 26, if any man serve me, let him, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. If we're going to be a disciple of the Lord and we're going to totally surrender to him, we must identify with the cross. We must intensify in our following of him. But notice also, we must nullify our own agenda. This is, this is where a lot of people struggle. Because we all have our own agenda. And, and how dare God try to infringe on my agenda? It's almost like God's inconveniencing me. Because doesn't he know what I had planned today? I mean, doesn't he care that I had this and this and this going on? And it's time, listen, Christian, it's time as a disciple that we set aside our own agenda. And we realize that God has something far better for us. Look at verse number 39 of this passage. Here's what he says. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall what? Find it. Now this verse holds the key. Because again, what we've got to do is we've got to put our agenda to death. Set it aside. And we need to do what Christ wants. Because in Christ's economy, according to verse number 39, here's what I see is that the way up is down. In Christ's economy, the way to receive is to give. In Christ's economy, the way to find is to lose. This is what he's saying here. The secret to the Christian life is not in finding yourself. That's what a lot of people are trying to do nowadays. <laughs> I want to find myself. Really? Where'd you lose yourself? And, and so they're on some, some journey of life. To find themselves. Folks, listen, you need to lose yourself and find Jesus. Know what is important to him. 
You know, listen, to me, the Bible doesn't say, thou shalt have a vacation Bible school. But I do see Jesus placing a high premium on children. And so, yes, we built a barn this week. And yes, we're going to act silly this week. And hopefully it won't smell in here this week. But you know what? That was Jesus' heart. And because whatever his heart is, that's what our heart should be. What's his agenda? I want to get in line with what Jesus wants because that's the most important thing as a disciple. And that's what we see here. Is finding Jesus, living for him. We need to nullify the selfish pursuit. So many, so many times. Look at verse 39 again. Look what it says. He that findeth his life. That's the goal for so many people. Look, if that's the goal of your life is to find yourself, can I tell you right now? Look here, look at me. I'm going to save you a lot of money. You're going to be disappointed. When you finally find yourself, you're going to be disappointed. Because you know why? According to the Bible, we all fall short. That's what it says. Look at Luke chapter 12. Look at these verses. He spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. He thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast... Much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? In other words, here's what he's saying. You can, you can stick all the money you want in the bank. You can have all these things that the world has to offer. But someday you're going to go in the ground. You're going to spend eternity with the Lord or without the Lord, one or the other, whatever you choose. And then who's going to get those things? It's all vanity. It's all for nothing. Now look what he says in the end of this. Jesus says, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward who? God. Are you rich towards God today? The only way you can be rich towards God is, is if instead of being selfish, you're selfless. Because look at the verse again, verse 39. He that findeth his life, you know what's going to happen? He's going to lose it. But look at the last part of the verse. He that loseth his life for my sake shall what? Find it. Now I look at this and instead of selfish, here's what I find is, I find the selfless life there. This is a person that is living his life for the cause of Christ doing what God would have him to do. It's somebody that abandons his own agenda. He loses his life that he may find out what life is really all about. I hope that's what some boys and girls find out this week. It reminds me of some missionaries years ago. They, were, they got on board a boat and they were heading to Africa. As they were making their way there, they had some time on board that ship as it was making its way across the ocean and the the captain of the, the ship was not a believer. And he knew these missionaries. He knew the whole story. He saw the, the luggage and all the things they brought. He knew what they were going to do, how they were going to give their lives for the cause of Christ. 
And so this captain that was not a believer, he said to the missionaries, he says, you know, you're going to die over there. That's encouraging, isn't it? And those missionaries looked at that captain, and one of them said out loud these words. He said this, we died before we ever came here. We're all, we were already dead. We died to ourselves. We're alive in Christ. See, that's the reality of the new life. These missionaries understood that. Has there ever been a time in your life where you, like those missionaries, have become totally surrendered to God? No matter what God asks, you would say this to God, not only this morning, but every day, I'm all in. God, whatever you want. Is your new life in Christ a reality every day? Look at Matthew 4, verse 19. Jesus said unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Look at this. And straightway, they left their nets and followed him. I love what Spurgeon said. There are no crown wearers in heaven who were not cross bearers on the earth. See, so pick up your cross daily. The message this morning, listen, it's not so much a salvation message as it is a message of surrender. Follow Jesus. Be a disciple of Jesus. Adoniram Judson, he sweated out Burma's heat for 18 years. Without a furlough, listen to that, 18 years this missionary was on the field. Six years he went without a convert. And during torture and imprisonment, he admitted that he never saw a ship sail without wanting to jump on board and go home. When his wife's health broke and she put on, he put her on board a ship heading home in the knowledge that he would not see her for at least two full years. He, he wrote these words in his diary. If we could find some quiet resting place on earth where we could spend the rest of our days in peace. And he was writing those words and he stopped. And as he stopped and he thought about that, he steadied himself for what he was writing. And he composed himself and then he began to write these words. Life is short. Millions of Burmese are perishing. And I almost am the only person on earth who has attained their language to communicate salvation to them. Now you stop and think about that. Judson realized what the new life was all about. About following Jesus. Is your new life your real life? Is it something that you practice every day or just on Sundays? I hope that in your life that Jesus is the Lord of your life. And that every day after you got saved, you're living your life. You're living the reality of the new life in Christ. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want you to consider the message this morning. Again, there may be some here this morning that have never had a time in your life that you put your faith in Christ. And if that is you this morning, then today you need to come and put your faith in Jesus Christ. 
But there are three ways to know that Christ is the Lord of your life. The first one of those ways is that, as Jesus said here in verse 32, that if you are one of his disciples, you will boldly confess him to the world. Are you doing that? How many of you would be honest this morning with God and say, I am telling people about the Lord. God has been so good to me, and I love sharing him with other people, but most of us probably could not raise our hand because we probably don't take the opportunities that God gives to us to boldly confess Christ. Another way to know that Christ is your Lord is that you love him supremely. Jesus didn't say you can't love your father, your mother, but he says if you love them or others more than me, then there's a problem. Is Jesus first in your life today? And the third way that you can know that you truly are a disciple of Jesus is that you're totally surrendered, that you're willing to identify with the cross, that you're willing to step it up in your life to follow him, to intensify following him. And here's the third part, that you'll put down your own agenda and that you'll come today and wave the white flag and say, you know, I've been trying to lead my life my way and I'm tired of making a mess out of it. And today, I want to come and surrender to what you want for my life instead of what I want. Let's stand to our feet this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.